Hygiene is super important in sex work, which is why we've partnered with Hero Soap Company, all natural soaps with no chemicals, dyes, fragrances, or parabens, which the FDA cites for being found in breast cancer biopsy and causes male reproductive problems. Hero Soap Company is veteran-owned and operated handmade in Arizona in the beautiful USA. Subscribe for a monthly delivery of soap straight to your door every month. And for every bar purchase in a subscription, we match and send the troops a peppermint cool soap to tingle their nuts for the first time during deployment. Use my code SIA at checkout for 10% off. Let freedom clean. Welcome back to Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, all the people that are naked or have very little clothing. <laughs> I am your host. I realized in the last few episodes I've never even introduced myself. I'm Steph Sia, your host, aka Kimchi, aka Steph, aka Sia, whatever names you want me to go by, but that's me. But um, enough about me. We're going to be talking to the very lovely, the very, very freaking cool. Lola Frost. Ah! <laughs> I'm so excited you're here. It's been a very long time since I've seen you, so I have always admired you for so long. I've watched your performances since like your Cecil burlesque days back at like the Kiefer Bar on Thursday nights. I totally remember that. <laughs> it was a long time ago, and then you were teaching at Tantra for a bit as well, and. And then you were off the grid for a bit, I guess, yeah. working for the past few years, and now you're back in Vancouver, at least for now, so. That is correct. <laughs> yes, but um, please introduce yourself to the audience. <laughs> That's my own bias introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, it's so good to see you as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Steph, for having me on. Um, I'm a fan of your work, both Yay. on the podcast, in the studio, and yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to be home and um, contributing again to my city that I love so very much. Yes, because it's been a while. So we mentioned off the pod, you've been working and on the road for the past three years. Yeah, correct. Um, so I've been touring quite heavily, uh, like between burlesque and exotic dance and, and teaching for, I mean, almost a decade, but the last three years has been 90% of my time has been on the road. And it, there's just not a lot of glamour in touring. Everyone's like, oh my God, it's so glamour. I get to travel so much. I'm like, yeah, totally. I'm also exhausted. <laughs> my body is broken. Yes, it's just such a, you feel very extended. Um, but I'm really glad I did it. I was, it was a very focused um, three years for me. I, was, I had goals and I met those goals and now I'm just really ready to be home and refocusing into new goals Um, because being at home for one week out of the month is is quite trying on your emotions your spiritual self your Mm. physical self a lot of the accommodations if we're talking about the strip club world the accommodations (laughs) are less than lackluster and when I get to when I tour for burlesque of course I'm staying either hotels like nice hotels or with friends so like my burlesque family so that's much more comfortable yes it was a it was a very focused three years to um just be on the road working as much as I possibly could and (laughs) success (laughs) success with the working all the time What brought you to getting to that point in terms of like, hey, I really want to focus. I really want to just, you know, focus on working and touring and all that. 
Yeah, money. Yeah, yeah was, money's it was, great. <laughs> it, was, it was the only reason. I mean, um, luckily, the, my work in burlesque has, you know, I, I have developed over the last 14 years, like, my brand and my sort of um, the, the prominence in our industry, uh, just from how much I've worked. And so people just keep booking me, which is fabulous because I'm really grateful for it. Um, Yay. And that kind of travel and that kind of, that kind of work is like my, my art and my very deep passion. And combining that with strip club work was always like a bit of a reprieve to go and do like a little burlesque tour inside of my strip club tours. Mm-hmm. But of course, it was like always a hilarious joke that there's no money in burlesque. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get into this later yeah, for sure. We will, yeah. Oh I mean, even as a, as a headlining international performer, it's still, you know, only maybe a couple of shows a week. And those big gigs are only a couple of times a year, you know. Right. So you can't really depend on that income. Mm-hmm. And so I have been sort of working in strip clubs for the last six, almost seven years. And it was very part-time. And I was just realizing that if I wanted to capitalize on income, it has to be a steady job, just like yeah. any other job you have. Of if you course. just pop into work... <laughs> a couple of days a month, you're not going to make any money. No. So I was just like, okay, focus, like tunnel vision on, goal set, let's do this. And I'm really glad I made it out the other side. Yeah, I survived <laughs> and now you're back here. Yeah, survival mode, it was very real. It was a very push through a lot of that to kind of just like maintain focus. <laughs> yeah, and that's for a long time. It's not just like a couple months, not like a year, like just to be so steadfast to on your goals there for the past three years that takes some discipline to do yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of days where I'm just like what is my life I don't even know which way is up <laughs> I'm so tired it's just like bizarre the the night schedule like my Arcadian rhythm is is like woven into mornings like I love oh I really love daytime I like getting <laughs> up and functioning with society but this night walker life definitely was just a new that consistency was new, and I just found myself certain like days just being like, I just need to lay here <laughs> in yeah. a very dim lit room <laughs> with my roller and my Netflix, <laughs> and see you tomorrow daylight. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. the balance. It's a bit of an adjustment too, because mm-hmm. um, and trying to find that balance is really really difficult. Do you want to speak a bit about that? The balance. Yeah. yeah. If you have any balance or had yeah. any balance. I mean, the balance was just taking care of yourself. You know, I mean, I I learned all these hilarious tricks on how to eat very healthy in the shittiest oh. situations. We're allowed to swear, right? It's an adult podcast. Yeah, it I mean, the just just the food you eat and like the what you put in your body, the rest that you get in between the like, really exhausting parts, the amount of baths I took. You know, if I was at a venue or like a house or anything without a bath, it was like the worst, the worst sort of punishment that you could possibly think of. <laughs> no. Yeah, lots of face masks. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, and I'm just really grateful. I mean, it's very isolating to be on the road that much by yourself. And occasionally you tour with people that you know or like, you know, that you have a similar schedule. Mm-hmm. My sister and I used to travel a little bit together as well, so it was nice to have some company. Yeah. Um, but I have, a, I have a big support system, you know, of, like, humans that I love and that I care about. And and that was really a lifeline, even just knowing that they were out there or yeah. if I really needed something or someone that, of course, they would be there for me. 
but there was just so much. Like some days you're just so tired and like quite at your ends that I couldn't even like open my emails, you know, I was just like my brain can't do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the balance of, I would just try to go for a walk every day at okay. least, you know, just like get some fresh air, get a bit of daylight and then kind of go back to getting ready. It's hard when your bedtime is between, like rationally between four, four. and that's yeah. pretty early, but <laughs> yeah. four and eight a.m. Yeah, know, kind of depending on really what is happening after. But you know, between four and six a.m. and you want to be rested so that you can be real chipper at night. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> and really, that can I be a care about you. <laughs> <laughs> well. At least Noah, well, welcome home. Thank you. Yay, back in Vancouver. It's been a little while. Um, you had a show last night, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. I know. I, I wanna, I'm going to try to come by next week because obviously I'm teaching now. Well, yes. I won't be teaching anymore for the next while, but I want to definitely come see you. Yeah. But I, it's okay. So is this something that, so it's a new burlesque truth, mm-hmm. Bad Girls? It's, it's called Bad Company. Bad Company. And it's, okay. um, it's not a troupe, but it's a, a group of six. I want to say six, but it could be seven. Don't quote me. I have to, <laughs> I have to look at all my babes that I know together. Um, who, who produce a night. And so between the producers, they one of them will perform and one of them will host and they rotate. Some of them will sweep. You know, they, they do all the other jobs in the burlesque sort of show structure and they rotate and they hire guest performers as well. So cool. they hire three guests one of them performs, one of them hosts, and then they kind of share the duties. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, so the Morrissey Pub yeah. every Tuesday. So cute and intimate, like he's, you mentioned Kiefer. Yeah. It's like a little bigger than Kiefer, of course, but um, same kind of ideal. It's a nice weekly show. I mean, it's like from 8 to 10, so you can mm-hmm. still, get, still get to bed on time for your school yes. nights. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and it's real, it's real charming. It's nice and diverse. It's up close and personal and intimate, and... Yeah, the city really needs something like that. We don't have... We haven't had that in a long time. A really long time. Like, since you guys stopped Sweet Home for Less. Yeah. There hasn't been really anything weekly like that. No, and we had the Kiefer for five years. Like, five solid years doing every Thursday night, which was awesome. That's incredible. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of us miss it. I mean, it's a lot to run a weekly show, of course. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like, when you start to develop more into your yourself and like your art some people branch off to do other things of course and mm-hmm. so you know it's just sort of times change and venues change but it was really special so I'm yeah. glad that company is is there doing yes. it <laughs> so excited to check that of course we'll plug everything at the end of the show mm-hmm. but yeah I guess let's start at the root of things so mm-hmm. like burlesque how did you start yeah how'd you get involved what's your story on that I sort of wanted to be a stripper since I was eight. Like, I was real <laughs> young and real obsessed with um, fancy naked ladies, dancing yeah. girls, showgirls. Like, any movie or music video that had some sort of scantily clad babe on it, I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, you're queer and you want to dance naked. Great news. Like, just like, yep, all the things. Um, but, I mean, I went... I went through lots of stages, you know, as I was growing up, like, I was real punk rock, I was real hippie, I was a raver for a while, and everything was sort of connected to music and movement, um, I used to be a figure skater, like, oh, I, wow. you know, I really loved, I just moving, yeah. and yeah, I mean, it really took me coming into, like, my own to, like, I knew I wanted to do burlesque, 
before I knew what burlesque was. I just was drawn to this concept because back then, kiddos, we didn't have the internet. <laughs> I mean, it was around, but it, was, it wasn't as, as, as lush as it was now. It was yeah. more like old movies and books and things that you found at the library. And, right. um, you know, and I started to do some research when I finally saw my first burlesque show in like 2000 and maybe 2005 or something. Okay. Or early 2006. I was like, this is what, this is what I was thinking of because I would go to strip clubs Mm -hmm. and I would be like, okay, awesome, but not what I was thinking. Like I wanted Mm -hmm. more. And you know, from working in strip clubs and from going to see burlesque shows, the narrative and the the structure of the audience, like who, who was watching and what the performers are portraying, they are a little different. Yeah, There's, there's just sure. a different interaction. And I would be so mad at people in these strip clubs in these early days, not even watching these dancers. Mm-hmm. And in turn, of course, dancers, like, you have to reserve your energy. So they're doing, like, the bare minimum on oh, stage. Yeah. Because, <laughs> hello, oh my gosh. It's a little freaking work. <laughs> I legit, if there are two people in that damn club, they get shit all. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Unless they're up front, like, dumping a bunch of money. And I'm like, I will do everything for you. <laughs> yes, yes. Agree 100%. <laughs> totally reserve that energy. And so I didn't understand how to navigate that when I was younger. I was just like, okay, like I, I want more. Like I wanted a show, I wanted interaction, but I didn't realize that's what burlesque was. And right. And you didn't even know what the word for that no, was. No. Like, I was just this? like, I wanted naked art that was weird and political and like, and striking and diverse. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so, I mean, strip clubs are not. <laughs> they're they're getting a little better. I mean, before you couldn't even have tattoos, whereas now they they're a little more diverse, but more progressive in, in a confine. Yeah, <laughs> unlike burlesque, which is like, is there borders? I don't know. Anything goes. <laughs> yeah. So I sort of I sort of found I found a couple shows I went to, and I started to get to know, see who's like putting them on, and just saying hello, and just being like. I want to do this. And yeah. one producer's like, oh, yeah, I'll put you on the stage. <laughs> Just let me be clear, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> no, that did not. It's very rare. Yes. Now there's, like, a, there's schools and things. But um, <laughs> he's like, I'll give you a shot, kid. Like, not exactly like that, but kind of. I was like, no shit, really? And he's like, I'm sure you could do it. And I was like, Okay. So that's how I got my first booking. Oh my gosh. And I legit just went home and I was like, do I even own lingerie? Like, I was 26 years old. I thought, I was like, very in denial of my femininity in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I really loved, like, a bit more androgynous feelings. I really loved, like, tomboyish. All these words are kind of expired, but that's the words I grew up with, so that was kind of a mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was very, like, very feminist with regards to don't tell me how to be a woman because I want to make it myself. But in yeah. that, I definitely put out a lot of masculine energy with regards to strength, versus vulnerability and I very see. much like power punk rock as opposed to like the the 50s pinup like ooh delicate flower right. like none of that existed in me <laughs> so I was like do I even know how to do burlesque like so I dug around my drawers like all black everything of course <laughs> it's just like this bustier I had since I was like 19 I'm like I don't know so I just <laughs> I just threw some shit together and I got on stage and I mean the dancing part was never a big deal the getting naked part was never a big deal it was just sort of well here I am is where I was always meant to be and I felt really great about it that's awesome Um, I almost forgot that it's like oh taking off your clothes in front of people might be like 
uh, nerve-wracking or something. So I was like, yeah. oh, hell, I don't care. <laughs> but I wanted to be good. Like, I, I yeah. wanted to portray passion and energy and, like, connectivity. Right. So, like, that was always my worry. Like, I oh, hope you like it. <laughs> you know? uh, I guess I did. Yes. Because, like, I kept getting booked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, of course, I mean, it just it developed and progressed from there in regards to seeing way more shows, researching, get to go, getting together with other women to mm-hmm. develop our art together and sort of explore together. So that was sort of like the, that's the origins, wow. the baby frost. Yeah. <laughs> baby frost. <laughs> oh my gosh. So how was like your, your initial persona? Because I've had this chat with other performers mm-hmm. here on the show as well, not just burlesque fest strippers and yeah. dancers. How has you know, those first, you know, baby frosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How have you developed over the years? Or, like, what kind of phases have you gone through? Yeah. And what kind of journeys have you gone through in terms of, like, your process? Like, for the most part, I came out of the gate very um, branded. Like, I... Because I had taken, um, like, fashion school. I was in fashion merchandising, so I did a lot of styling. Okay. Um, but I was obsessed with the 20s. Um, yeah. So if you watch any of my costumes, they're all very art driven, like art deco driven. Right. They have like a little bit of that, like I get like that rock and roll edge, which is like where kind of like my moniker comes from, and and I just really held on to that aesthetic and kind of ran with it. And for me, I think that my my early progression was definitely like a lot of energy. It was like a very it was a lot of uh, more movement. I would say like a little, and again like that's nerves and that sort of like again not really knowing what you're doing. Because to go slow for me was like, it felt very scary and very raw. And again, that femininity piece, how I would more like want to go out there and be like, rah, 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 and like, fuck yes, look at me. And like dance, and like dance, you know? Yeah. And I did. Like, I come, I used to come off the stage just like soaked after like three minutes. So I was just like, let's do it. Um, and a lot, a lot of like pieces from the early days also were very dark and very raw and very therapeutic. Right. Without it looking like if you watch this show, you would be like, oh, like that's some like dark, rad stuff happening. It wasn't like, um, you know, I'm just here to like get my therapy session. It was <laughs> integrated into a way that was entertainment still. Okay, interesting. But there was a lot of like, a lot of like, like sexual assault trauma that I worked through, like a lot of like reclaiming of power themes, you know, things like that that I was building through the early part of my burlesque. Some of it, it didn't start start that way. It started moody and kind of, again, like more rock and roll. But like as I got into it, I was like, oh, like I can integrate how powerful I feel on stage, mm-hmm. how I'm exploring my femininity, my masculinity, my sexuality, you know, my presence. And then I can mix it with this bullshit that happened to me in my life. Right. And they heal from it because you're reclaiming so much power up there, right? Like, right. this is my space. This is my stage. Like, I'm telling you the story. And have people interact and celebrate mm-hmm. you you for it and you with it and having other people feel very healed by seeing you. Mm-hmm. Like, in a, in a person of my body type. And, like, everyone gets to identify with different people in burlesque because bodies are so diverse. Yes. And it's instead of us seeing like Hollywood, we see reality and it's very refreshing. Right, yeah, I was just gonna say refreshing. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, I just got to dig into some themes that like even when I look back sometimes I'm like, whew, those audiences showed out a journey with me. <laughs> <laughs> Cause because then I progressed into like 
my sort of signature schmoozy slow burn yeah. panther serpent. I'm gonna eat yes. you and you're gonna enjoy it and be rebirthed. But, <laughs> but that was a progression and it, yeah. it took me a bit to get there because there was a bunch of trust I had to have in myself. For sure. And my audience. And, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's really yeah. just very enlightening to have those stories of yourself translated on stage because it is very vulnerable. Yeah. You do that, and for you to get in touch with that side of you, and to bring that into your art and into your performance, very very powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, and that I think like that's it's really it, I had to go through that process, of course, to be able to teach mm-hmm. as well, because I teach very like I love <laughs> I love feelings, <laughs> <laughs> and so I I like teaching emotional components to my students as well, or people that come to me for. Um, act development or coachings I'm, I'm always going to distill it back into like what are you trying like what emotion are you trying oh, yeah. to portray right. what's holding you back you know from to like, tap into that yeah like because even if it's like a bit more of like um a more like light-hearted piece there's still like your authenticity in there and so like to get in touch with that before you are building something on top of it is really important like to be seen right inside of the costume and the makeup and yeah just to not hold back mm-hmm. you know so that's sort of that's like I developed that I healed that for me and so like translating that to my students just like here's some permission to be <laughs> so much more yourself <laughs> even though you're still dressed up and even though you're acting out this like blown up version of yourself there's right. still like self how that. do you really get into that like, what kind of advice would you give for students? I mean, it kind of depends. I mean, everyone's so individual, right? And they come from different places. Although, I really, I mean, my friend Harla said this last night, and I was like, just like, all the snaps. I'm just like, 100% that we're all linked through trauma. Because everyone, every human oh, yeah. has stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all have shit. We all have shit. <laughs> so there is just this component of just acknowledging that you are not your trauma and that you are not the shit things that happen to you. And if you want to make art, like you do have to tap into it and acknowledge yeah. it so that you're not hiding from it or that it's not triggering you in the wrong ways. Right. And, you know, it sounds like a therapy session, but like kind of, you know, yeah, without, with, kind of it is. without being so formal around it, it's, it is just giving, getting some support to know that you are okay and you're still able to like shine in your like weird naked sexy funny political ways that you want to right but it's up to you to do it right Mm -hmm. I can give you advice I do give my students advice (laughs) I give them tips and tricks or I share my own story so that that it's relatable and we don't feel so alone Um, but then you just really got to get up on stage and do it again and again and again in front of people (laughs) practice right teaching then so how did you get started with that I also wanted to ask you about the Vancouver Burlesque Center as well and also other areas that you teach in yeah teaching for me I I reflect often about what I've wanted to be in my life and like dancer teacher healer I've always been like the three things that come up a lot and so the teacher I knew I was going to teach dance but not really dance dance because I'm not formally trained. <laughs> so like, how am I going to teach something that I just make up as I go along? <clears throat> uh, <laughs> my mom was just like, oh 
only you, Lola. <laughs> Make a career. <laughs> um, no, no, but it's actually really funny because I was styling a photo shoot, uh, like a commercial photo shoot one day with a girlfriend of mine. Again, fashion school, a lifetime ago. Um, and I overheard this like very attractive man um, talking about his wife, I think girlfriend at the time, um, and how she runs this like really cool alternative dance kind of fitness school. Like my ears were like, just like little radar dishes. And um, he said, yeah, like he hires, she hires uh, teachers based on like, you know, like what they contribute, like who they are. Just like the things that he was kind of saying, I was like, oh, maybe I should you know, get in contact with this person. He's like, yeah. no, no, no. I was like, yeah, it's called Tantra Fitness. Ah, this handsome yes. gentleman was Justice. There you go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're so sweet. Huh. And so I just kind of reached out before I knew Tam. I'd never even been to the studio. Oh, my God. And just sent her a message that I kind of heard about this place. Mm-hmm. So she brought me in with an interview with her and Crystal. Oh, my God. Yeah. <clears throat> Back on no. Cook Street in 2008. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So and, um, long ago. She's like, yeah, we hit it off right away, and she gave me, they were teaching out at UBC at the time, um, so they had their wow. studio, and they were giving progressives out at UBC, and they would bring poles out there, and oh she's like, gosh. do you want to do like a little burlesque progressive? And I'm like, absolutely. She goes, and then, if it's successful, and like you're liked, and you're not crap, <laughs> uh, we'll hire you at the studio. Yeah. And again, I guess I wasn't crap. <laughs> Illegitimized. <laughs> yeah, and then she hired me. So I first started teaching through Tantra. Wow. Um, and I got like weekly classes. I did a burlesque class. Mm-hmm. And you know, I did like um, just like burlesque choreography and like chair dance. And then I started teaching like some sexy fitness. I took my like certification and taught like a like, stripper size type class, you know. Yeah. Um, fit really well with her brand. I taught for a little bit after a couple of years through iDance. Oh, yeah, iDance. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, and then I opened my own studio with my business partner, Cherry. Um, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, we rented a space and ran a business. Like, let's be real. I didn't buy a building. <laughs> um, but we made the Vancouver Burlesque. Then it was the Vancouver Burlesque Center. Yes. Um, now is the Vancouver Burlesque Company. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we did lose our space last year. Yes, I remember reading about that. Yeah, just got a new one. So. Yay, congratulations. Thank you. That's really exciting. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a big blow to our world for sure. Even though, again, like, because I wasn't here like I just knew how hard it was for everybody but yeah the community too yeah right? so so I left Tantra as like there as like a full-time teacher like a you know teaching all the classes because conflict of interest and Tammy was so supportive and yeah. so helpful and she would still hire me for like um burlesque workshops or like parties and you know I that yeah. would fill in sometimes and she was just like always there being supportive of course <laughs> she needs to be in the show I've been I keep saying this like yeah. Tabby will be in the show at some point guys <laughs> at some point <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah she's got some stories yes she does <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah I mean I really credit her she gave me the, my shot right yeah. and through her her um opportunity I got to really develop again my own style of teaching and like kind of figured out that stuff and working with um cherry we just sort of got to develop what we wanted to to teach out of burlesque and people kept coming you know (laughs) yeah and now we've brought on um our other 
their business partner, um, Ariel Helvetica. Cool, um, yes. Which is awesome. She's a huge, like a real asset to the team and to the, the community and the industry as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're grateful to be working with her. It's eight and a half years since we what? started this business. No way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is that long already? Little <laughs> brains like time is a construct. <laughs> it's a couple years ago. It's like, no, it's like time. Wow, yeah. congratulations! Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, we're excited. And like I teach like workshops like the island, right? Victorian and Nanaimo. I'll just I know a couple. One of my one of my first students from Canada has her own studio in Nanaimo, Lux Studios. Oh, Lisa, she runs Lux Studios in Nanaimo. Okay, and she's had that for also several years. It was very successful, mm-hmm. and it's I love teaching there. It's super great. And then of course when I travel for burlesque, wherever I am, either Canada, the U.S., or in Europe, I just the the, the producers help me produce workshops. That's yeah. amazing. It's so it's good cool. to have that support. Oh, I'm so know? I'm so grateful. Like I'm eternally grateful <laughs> for the opportunities. It's like thank you, and like people that show up and pay money to learn from me. I'm like really. Thank you so much. <laughs> I am so happy to lead you into the weird and wonderful ways of <laughs> movement and sexuality. So. Yes. And then I think you started to get, start teaching again slowly. Mm-hmm. A tantra again, yeah. Yeah. And so I just took my Pilates teacher training, which Ooh, a lot of people that you've interviewed already have taken too. Yes. <laughs> it's wonderful for the body. Of course, my body is so broken. And I wanted something else to teach that was more functional mm-hmm. along with the arty kind of stuff and yeah. teaching back at my studio, teaching a couple classes at Tantra. I have an audition shift with Y Yoga. What? Yeah, Yay. to get on teaching Pilates. So cool. here's my affirmative speaking. So when I get that position, <laughs> I will be teaching Pilates at Y Yoga. Fingers crossed. Yes. Okay, so wow, so so many things there. Um I you mentioned something early on in the podcast that I wanted to talk about and also bring up. So in terms of um, burlesque versus you know, stripping and strip clubs, mm-hmm. can you name a few different, like, what are the main differences there in terms of, like, money, in terms of, you know, working and stuff like that, mm-hmm. too, as an artist, and those major differences? Yeah. I'll say there's two things that I always say to every, to anyone who asks those questions, and one of them, one of the definitions was given by Joe Boobs Weldon, who, okay. former exotic dancer, like former exotic stripper, feature entertainer of those times, mm-hmm. um, and she's sort of like the foremother of the burlesque handbook. So when she transferred into burlesque, she wrote a book about it, and it's oh. amazing, and we respect her. All hell, Joe Weldon. <laughs> um, but she, she's the one that said, quite simply, the main difference is the audience. Mm-hmm. And so... It's when you go to a burlesque show, you buy a ticket, you watch a show. You are like, you're there watching something happen. And in a strip club, you can go to a strip club and not even watch a show. Like, you can sit at the bar and drink, you can talk to girls, you can just talk to your buddies, you can play pool. Like, there's a lot that happens from a, an audience perspective that you don't get interacted with. Right. So, it's a primary difference. And I also think the difference as well of um, what you're putting on stage as a performer is a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. Same, same, but different. In exotic dance, you are there to make money. It is a job. It is a transaction. And yes, there is glorious art happening on the stage. But then there's also some girls who just walk around on stage. But you know what? They make their money too. And it's 
it doesn't matter. You yeah. can be a walk and wiggler, and you can be an aerial <laughs> artist, <laughs> and the function for it is money. Yeah, it's the same outcome. Yeah, and so in burlesque, I mean, you want to make some money for your art, but you're not there to hustle your audience mm-hmm. into A, liking you, B, giving you money. You're there to, like, share some little piece of yourself (laughs) with them. And another friend of mine, um, I believe it was Maggie McMuffin from Seattle. I love that name. I know. She's (laughs) really great. (laughs) Um, uh, They said that one of the main differences as well is that as a burlesque performer, you're there to download your fantasies and your ideas onto your audience. Right. Whereas in a strip club, the audience is there to download their fantasies onto you. Right, it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, and that there is the consensual environment for that. Like, you understand when you walk into a strip club, you're like, fantasy, I'm here to exchange money for it. Yes. You know, whereas in burlesque, you bought that ticket, that's our consent mm-hmm. to download our fantasies onto right. you. <laughs> that's a really great way of explaining it. Yeah, yeah I thought about it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> we rehearsed this response. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple, couple times I've been asked that. So. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. So I remember you mentioning earlier, like, the money just isn't there. Yeah. And because they are two very different worlds. But yeah. also there is a lot of intermingling almost yeah. and so much overlap. Yeah. Do you want to speak a bit on that as yeah. well? We call it like being like sisters, not twins, mm. you know, or family cousins because yeah. they are very interconnected, of course. Yes. All exotic dance comes from burlesque. It was the first stripping and yes. the same thing where the feature dancers and the headliners of the burlesque world faded out because anyone could just take off the top and dance around, which is fine, but the, the true artists of that were kind of faded out. The same thing in the, the 80s and 90s for the high feature um, performers in the exotic dance world, clubs didn't want to pay them as much, also fizzled out a little bit. So there's, there's that sort of balance. So in burlesque, the money comes from being hired from a production, right? right. And again, those productions be like, you're planning a huge show for months at a time, and then you get your fee to be on stage for that one night, right? For a couple of acts, right. as opposed to being hired at a club and working every night for, for a week. For a week. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that, that balance is, is just different. The overlap is that, again, like me being a hybrid, on my stripping stages, I still do burlesque. Like, I'm still interacting with my costumes. Yeah. I'm still being um, intentional with my movement and my removals. I'm still engaging my audience in a way that is, you know, fun and interactive. There's just different elements at play. Because sometimes if you're being that way and your customers aren't watching, you're like, well, <laughs> you're missing all the other components. Yes. <laughs> of yeah. this act. Because girls are like, oh, do a burlesque show next. I'm like, I do it every time. <laughs> but it's just the elements of what underlying burlesque again, like the intention, the kind of artistry, and not just walking to the corner, dropping your bra in the corner, and keeping on walking. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying <laughs> that the uh, the art of the striptease and the interactions with your with your costumes and movement and mm-hmm. making it playful and interactive. It gets lost unless you really see it happening. Right. Because some yeah. people are like guys at strip clubs are like. You like, you're like kind of like different, right? <laughs> and I'm just like eyebrow waggle, eyebrow waggle, like real different. But like it's, it's like they, it's, 
it's weird because like yeah I'm still stripping mm-hmm. and I'm still in the strip club so they yeah. see it for that environment but there is that that integral my training and like my my practice for so many years that it's just a little different because that's what I've practiced being for so long right you know so interconnected yeah. but a little different I like that again wow you're explaining things so yeah. greatly today <laughs> so appreciative please um do you think that burlesque is gaining more in popularity or do you think it's fading or where do you think it's going yeah those are three very specific questions <laughs> yeah. um the loaded question <laughs> like yes no and wait what was the last one where do you see it going oh yeah wherever anyone wants it to go so (laughs) yes no so basically gaining popularity yes so the weird thing is though I keep forgetting because I've intermingled and surrounded myself in this lush community and industry of burlesque for so long that I forget that there are still women who hate their bodies (laughs) I'm like like, oh there are still like I mean and I'm using like female pronouns just because there's, there's so much about what we teach and sort of integrate for, like, the female gendered humans. Yes. Um, that is important because society has done so many messed up things to our, <laughs> to our yeah. psyches and our, and our outlooks. And, sure of course, yeah. all genders, all non-genders also have their own stuff. But I'm just speaking from being a female-identified person and still have people come to my classes and come to my shows that are blown away mm-hmm. with the permission given by just again a body like mine or anyone they see at a burlesque show getting power from that for their own strength so it's like yeah so that part of burlesque that sort of like little intrinsic thing aside from all the rest because self-love is a radical act do you know what I mean like rebelling against the patriarchy to be I don't have to be how you know you say I'm and like although us in the know us who are more awake, yeah, <laughs> um, under- <Or> woke. <laughs> yeah, understand this. There's a lot that don't, and like, yeah. they just they haven't got there. They're still the blinders are still on, or they don't have an outlet that supports that. Like there's so much toxicity in in supporting each other, Absolutely, right? Yeah. Unless you're actually in environments that support each other, <laughs> um, you might not be able to tap into that or not yeah, be exposed to that. Yeah, right? and yeah. so like your your confidence or your outlook can be like a little bit skewed still, or like you want to have that power, but you don't want to put it. And not everyone that takes a burlesque class needs to get on stage or wants to be a performer. Right. They just want that expression, that outlet, and yeah. that is still so. Like for me. Yeah, like burlesque will always be popular in some way. And going to see a show of some arty naked weirdos is so fabulous. Like Yeah. You walk into this you walk into this place and everything's so perfectly imperfect. And you're like <laughs> sometimes I like, what the fuck is happening up there? And you're like, I'm so into it. And I've kind of like, this is so beautiful and polished. And like it doesn't matter. Like it's just underground art, overground art, like burlesque because it's stripping, mm-hmm. in a sense, will always be a little underground. Right. Yeah. Because naked bodies. Yeah. It's for frick's sakes, like what the hell is 2020? And we're still like, oh, bodies! Oh my god, (laughs) (laughs) for real! Yeah, Um, it's crazy. Yeah, they'll still be a little bit fading out, no, but there is definitely because it got because it's very saturated. Um, your shows have to be very good, they have to be interesting, they have to have multiple, multiply disciplinary different bodies, different sort of 
like skin, like just everything should be intentional and thought out because just going to see a bunch of skinny white bitches take their clothes off, <laughs> and again, there's nothing wrong with being a skinny white bitch, but it just to to make an art form stay, it has to stay interesting and it has to be right. diverse and it has to like rise up from a place where it started, mm-hmm. and that's again up to producers, you know, up to venues, like still hiring it because you know I can we can all throw a show tomorrow but no one's going to come or come again unless it's diverse and powerful and right. you know it doesn't have to have like a crazy message but it's, it's just going to be an accessible and good art that you keep wanting to celebrate and like have a good time right no definitely <laughs> yeah and are you also speaking in terms of like specific acts too that they need to differentiate themselves or just like the production of it all um well I mean yeah I mean sometimes I mean burlesque started as a variety show so you would have one or two strippers like burlesque dancers right but burlesque was like the name of the show as opposed to just the an artist that was because they have jugglers and they have comedians and they would have you know it's a variety mm-hmm. and so doing a show like that I think having different disciplines of acts is also a great way to diversify you know and it's interesting to watch like more of the aerial and the circus kind of come into it Mm -hmm. um and how they're like totally i'm like a contortionist or um i do like lira and then like and and they're like skilled and they're skilled and they're skilled like oh yeah bloop took my clothes off now i'm burlesque (laughs) and i'm skilled i'm skilled (laughs) just the but like the integration of multiple disciplines into one is what makes a really great burlesque act so right yeah people just like to be entertained and i don't think it's ever going to stop yeah you know yeah no definitely (laughs) you can peel yourself away from the netflix pay pay 10 to 20 dollars to go see some rad weird art i think i should yeah absolutely because as you said earlier like live entertainment and and like burlesque shows and like just weekly anything like uh, live entertainment it's just like dying yeah, I just don't see any yeah. of this stuff anymore. It's, so it's frustrating. It's so frustrating because it's visceral. Like it's like the feeling that you get like in your body when you're watching live art is so much better than on video. Like, and it doesn't translate. Like, you can't tap into emotions through a screen. You know, no. it's very very challenging. So yeah. it's um, not the same. No, pop in, <laughs> pop in and feel it. <laughs> and then sorry for the last question. Oh yeah, again, um, brain. <laughs> where do you see burlesque going? Right. Yeah. And that definitely is, I mean, that's like, again, Joe says, be, or was it Indigo Blue? <laughs> My clothes mixed up. Um, be the art you want to see in the world, mm-hmm. right? So what is it that you want to create? What is your end goal? Like, what do you want your audiences to be left with at the end of the day? And that's individual. Again, producers, performers, you have to be it. Because the bar down the street is not going to knock down your door and be like, hey, do you want to do a rush show? <laughs> you have to be the one creating it. And so right. if you're not creating it, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, the future of burlesque is just what, what you're making it. Oh, okay. I, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what about for yourself? Like, where has burlesque taken you? Did you ever imagine that you would kind of be here when you first on stage at 26 no hell no <laughs> I mean and like I'm I'm not like unegotistical enough to say that like I wanted to be a good performer I wanted like I didn't know the world of burlesque existed kind of beyond Vancouver until I went to the burlesque hall of fame in 2010 mm-hmm. and that came like a really pivotal point in my sort of career I've been doing it for a while and like like I said I was working for like I think it was Lululemon at the time and they wanted me to come to head office and like really kind of like 
we support your goals. Um, but you're going to have to stop doing burlesque so much because we need you here. And it's like fair because yeah. I really, I was traveling already a little bit for it. And they were just kind of like, yeah, buckle down. I'm like, sure. Well, I just got, I just got into debut at the Bus Hall of Fame, which is like our Oscars, our Super Bowl. Yeah. It's like the biggest kind of event. And I was like, okay, after I debut, and I can retire. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, ha, ha. <laughs> Everyone laughs at me because I was kind of at that point, like all or nothing. And I, yeah, I kind of, I just saw the global scope of what burlesque was. And I was like, oh, no, this is much bigger than I ever thought it ever was. I mean, I'm not going nowhere. beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a lot more to say. Um, and that was back in 2010. That was the 2010. first time you had ever been to the burlesque hall of fame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it just, yeah, it really just opened my, like, my peripheral just got so wide, and I was so inspired. Yeah, so I definitely did not see that kind of taking me here. Um, I'm grateful for it, because again, like, what, I mean, I grew up in a small town up north in BC, and I'm just like, I just want to be a traveling showgirl. <laughs> did you even know what that meant? Not really, but that's like, definitely a pipe dream I had. Um, so I'm glad that the universe sort of let me uh, manifest a path to that and you know I guess there's a bit of hard work in there and so <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> some art but um but yeah I am really grateful and like I say because of the heavy touring that I have been doing and the opportunities that I have been given I am ready to come back to Vancouver like set some more roots and I want to focus on teaching and both also like heal my body and like last year was really hard for me spiritually emotionally physically like it was a very 2019 R.I.P. Um, <laughs> just I, uh, like burn it <laughs> on fire. Off fire. <laughs> so many people are just like, it was trash. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm okay with skipping that year. Yeah, goodbye. I accomplished nothing. <laughs> hey, it took a it took a toll on me, but that's that's sort of my focus now. And of course, performing. I love performing, and I, now that I'm home, I have more time to sort of focus a little bit on that. But. I do want to dedicate myself to more of my students in the classroom and For sure. what I'm what I want to say with the next bit of workshops and things that I'm building as opposed to me crafting these elaborate show ideas I'm crafting these elaborate and sort of more integrated Inti- workshops yeah oh. very intimate yeah okay. yeah yeah the workshops are like really important to me and interestingly enough combine a bit of exotic dance a bit of burlesque and like a whole lot of <laughs> whole lot of that juicy feelings component. (laughs) Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, and that's sort of where I want to focus my energy. I turn forty next month. What? No way. Yeah, this is my like I know like coming into my forties powerfully is like I know that I'm meant to like be building something towards my next decade. The same thing I did when I was thirty. Like it was very, very focused for me. Like that was the last decade was like show life. And yeah. like this decade is like studio life. Studio life, yeah. getting back to your roots. You know, mm-hmm. that sounds awesome. We're so we've done some retreats. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. do you want to speak about that? No, it's, I can't yet. Oh, it's still formulated. So I'm just so excited about that. Yeah, like, oh my I gosh. just really just want to get like real juicy with some really rad people and. Oh my God. Go deeper. So exciting. I can't wait to bug you about that later. Yeah. Off the air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what else do I want to mention here? I guess 
What about like your erotic writing and poetry? Is that still mm-hmm. something that you do as well or dabble in? Do you even have time? Like- <laughs> the time of the note. Also the emotional exhaustion. Like sometimes you can't even I can't even post on Instagram. So I'm like, if you wanna see me, you will come and see me in real life. Like, <laughs> don't even look at a picture of me, you don't deserve it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really, I love writing. <clears throat> it scares the shit out of me to write. And it, like, very wrapped up into the permanency of it. And I just freak out because I was such a bad speller. And my grammar <laughs> is terrible. And I like expressing ideas. And to be honest, ever since I got <laughs> these acrylic nails. It's been really- <laughs> You guys might, might have heard it throughout the episode. <laughs> it's really hard to sit down on a computer and clack, 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 clack out my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like the lame excuses. People are always bugging me, like write blog posts and mm-hmm. and it's like if I'll I'll give like a speech in a, in a class and be like, can I read that somewhere? <laughs> like, oh, those are my half-assed notes. I'm like, can you please write a blog post about it? I'm like maybe <laughs> one day. <laughs> um, so I would like to. Um, it's not something that I keep up with right now. The you know just yeah. the, the time is a huge thing. Perfect. very much and yeah I mean there's just lots that I do want to write about especially going forward when I start writing for workshops and things it's really where I get like a nice flow as well yeah for sure lots of inspiration yeah it'll be back but it's I haven't written I haven't written a poem for a while (laughs) or a blog post about you know some sort of political personal thing for a little bit but I did enjoy it we have to get into that that space too and the whole mentality too because it just takes so much out of you I find at least personally I'm very attuned also to voices that are inclusive and sometimes when I start writing in an inclusive form I find that like it just it can get the scope gets very large and so I'm wanting to like distill what I want to write about into being again like very personal and very focused from like a self perspective as opposed to trying to tackle like a huger topic like does that kind of make sense no that makes sense yeah absolutely because I really want it to be personal and to express my personal stuff right now is hard because like yeah I'm just so exhausted <laughs> less now that I'm home I mean that's the thing is like to tap into like deep personal work is is a healing right yes. so if you're not ready to heal and to go into those spaces mm-hmm. it can just seem like tackling like a huge pile of of whatever I don't know laundry if that's your thing it's just like a mountain of stuff that you have to sort of sort through in your mind and sort of unfurl and that's um that also takes time so. yeah for sure but I'm here for it but I like what you said there that's really interesting and also you mentioned okay so you define yourself as a dancer and teacher and healer mm-hmm. do you want to speak a little about more about the latter part there about healing and healer yeah. as a title well I just like being an empath like really like being a really empathetic person there is just an energy about like you know holding space for people like I don't pretend that I'm like a crazy reiki master or like crystal you know like I'm a witch I identify as a witch for sure but there is just something about sharing space with people and allowing them to access their healing through your healing you know it's hard because if you look up healer they don't pretend to be a shaman or anything like that but there is there is just that that being very connected to the self being connected to your earth being connected to energy and being connected to your fellow humans Mm -hmm. that creating that space for people is very healing it is yeah and 
yeah, the holding space for people to make a safer space for people to explore is part of that work. Like, I don't pretend that I'm here to heal you. You know, I'm not like walking in to do healing sessions, but no. creating healing environments where people can feel safer and to explore their boundaries and limits within how much, how deep they want to go with the work. And that's a part that, that's the last component. So although I, I know that I've provided healing environments before, like that is, that's my, like my next decade's work is to like integrate much more of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And part of that is like, is being connected to each other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, bringing people together to explore together. Like even as simply so as like lap dance workshops that I do, like, so they're not just like, hey, we're into some sexy moves. Like we do that. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of layers inside of that where, again, they're female identified people can come together in a safer place to explore together and like that radical self-love is healing that like self-expression is healing that like opening up to your pussy magic is exciting pussy magic and it's it's just (laughs) incredibly healing so that part of the healer is sort of how I identify and again it's not something that I would walk around labeling myself as but it's something that I want to be able to provide for people no, sense. that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And you got the whole next decade to be yeah. working on that. I'm so excited to like maybe catch up with you in a couple of years and see yeah. like where you're at with that. Yeah. But I guess with that, we'll go into some Q and A. So we've got some questions here. Um, I guess this one is from someone who's in the industry. So how do you manage to work if you are not on the circuit? Oh, like you don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Uh, <laughs> shit, too real. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Phoenix touched on this before too about the Granville Strip or like just being a house girl in general. In Western Canada, so from Manitoba West, we still have the showgirl mentality. You still have a schedule. You still do shows. Yeah. Everywhere else in the world is not like that. I know. Nowhere <laughs> else. It's just. You do your VIP or, or private dancing, so you're selling lap dances essentially, or non contact um, private dances, <laughs> yes. depending on which province you are in. Um, yes. So basically, show like stage time is not really a thing. And in the East, like I featured at the Nude in Ottawa, mm-hmm. so I still I did have my feature shows, I had a schedule. I could also sell private dances, but everyone else that works there, so much of the states, you have to go on stage for a song or two, but you're there to work the floor. Right. So in Western Canada, unless you work the circuit and you don't have a cushy house girl job and applaud those girls that have those gigs, like like that is where it's at. You sleep in your own bed. You're in your own city. You can train. You can eat well. Goals, guys. Holy. Um, (laughs) But that is like one in a a thousand. Yeah. That's very rare. So unfortunately, it's, call me for tips and tricks, but get on the road. Yeah, unfortunately, you know. it's more money to add, so. Yeah. Unless you're lucky, so. Exactly. Or if you just want to freelance. Right. If you don't want stage yeah. time, just go down to a club and hustle dances. Yeah, pay your floor fee and yeah. hustle. Hustle if you got it. My soul is just like drained from my body even just thinking about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my golly, it's just, it's an incredibly, it's a hard business, people. Tip your damn dancers. Yes, please. Yeah. Who do you look up to? Do you have any mentors and or role models? Hmm. Um, I look up to quite a few people. 
I've mentioned I mentioned Joe Boobs. Yeah, I mean, my girlfriend Cherry, I know that's like mm. so obnoxious of me, but I'm just like, she's such an inspiration to me. Aww. She's like such a hard worker. Yeah. She's so passionate. She's so powerful. Um, I really, I've been inspired by her for years. And, um, <laughs> you know, I consider her like an equal and a partner, you know, to me, but it's just such a thing. There's a woman named Shannon Clough. She's like unrelated. She was in Sweet Soul back in like 2004 or something oh, wow. for like a hot Way beat. back in the like, day. Like, yeah, a hot beat. Never really there for burlesque, but she is a movement sort of instructor. She's gone through like yoga, Pilates, things like that. But her as a person, holistically, and like just, I feel like she's like a mentor. She's so strong and powerful, like in herself, that I feel greatly inspired by her. She teaches around the city as well, but just okay. her presence. Yeah. I mean, there's also other people I admire in the scene, you know, things like that, yeah, that totally. have inspired me to push out of my... Comfort zone? Yeah. Yeah. My stage comfort zone, where right. I'm just like, oh, I've seen their level of performance that I'm like, again, it gave me permission to not hold back, mm-hmm. right? That's a billion names. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> sometimes they're relevant, sometimes they're not. But I mean, just like, just like research the grace of burlesque, like Dirty Martini, Julie Atlas Muse. I mean, modern ones like Media Noche or Michelle Lamore. Like, there's the people that were there that were already established and doing it when I came into it are people I look up to. Okay. Right? And now it's a weird shift because nowadays it's like the people coming in. I'm like, I'm one of those established people coming. Oh, 14 years down the road. I guess I've been doing it for a minute, Um, which is really interesting to watch the progression. Because again, like you don't, I don't consider it as the years go on. Like it's until like a chunk of time passes where you're just like, oh yeah, I guess I'm still doing it. And people like have watched me perform over the years. That's weird. You know, (laughs) it just kind of like. Yeah, you're just kind of in the zone and not really realize that's happening. But totally, yeah. strong, powerful female-identified folks have been really influential to me. <laughs> Amazing. I'm gonna have to Google a bunch of those names later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not gonna lie. And I guess the last one here: How does one make a living? I guess we kind of maybe went over this a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but how does one make a living as a burlesque artist as opposed to a traditional stripper? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, guys. <laughs> okay, so paying attention. <laughs> we made this joke last night. So after the show, <laughs> I would went down. I was changing, and um, Harla and Donna were like, "Oh, Lala, we put your money in your suitcase. Just fold it up into that set list." And I'm like, "What money?" And they were both like, ha, 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 ha. "And I was like, but I actually like legit forgot that I got paid in cash. I just thought that I was like, oh, they'll email you transfer me or whatever." Yeah. And they were like, "Right, what money? Because there's no money in burlesque." If you want to do a bunch of shows and you, you get real good and you have good costumes and the producers like you and you, people just know you and you're going to be booked, okay, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But then you have your side hustles. Yeah. And you're maybe you're a teacher or maybe you uh, do social media or maybe you do costuming. Like none of the burlesque dancers you see are exclusively burlesque dancers. 
Secrets out, guys. Secrets out. It's not a move. (laughs) (laughs) Work hard at your craft. Do lots of shows, but don't quit your day job. Again, unless you have a ton of side hustles. And it's not for everybody. It's the same with, like, can I work as a stripper without being on the circuit? Like, you know, it's... There's... Be prepared to be a scattered, <laughs> hopefully organized. I feel like I have a, a decent organization, but if you like schedules and you like consistency, this is not the world to get into. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hustle, guys, and yeah. it, it is work, so yeah. be prepared if that was your plan. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and maybe try just, like, doing your job, like, your keep your muggle job, and, like, Try to book as much extra stuff as possible and see how, see how you feel. <laughs> see how your burnout uh, feels inside your body and then decide how much you want to do. Yeah. Burnout's a thing. And aftercare is super important. It's so important. In these jobs, it's so physical and mm. so tiring, right? Oh so. Gosh, you also give a lot. Like There's so much energy that comes out of you when you're exchanging it with people all the time. You know, With your audience, there's a lot of give and take. And so emotionally be prepared to have energetic fluxes as well yeah for sure but i guess with that that mm. brings us to the end of the show but before i let you go <laughs> where can we find you um because i've been here since the internet started <laughs> <laughs> it's like funny because it's true um <laughs> i am at lola frost at literally everything you could possibly imagine um including at gmail the twitter the facebook um the instagram i don't do snapchat because just text me like it just seems pointless so <laughs> every other social media you can find me just at lola frost I have, like, my blog is up still. Um, I have my calendar of events on it as well. Okay. But that's kind of what the only thing I update these days. But <laughs> stay tuned for blog posts. <laughs> um, also, the Vancouver Burlesque Company, yeah. obviously. Um, please come take my classes. Take our classes. We've got lots of great instructors there teaching some rad shit for cool body moving. Um, so, yeah, mostly progressives and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the Vancouver International Burlesque Festival is the first week of April. Okay. So, this, depending on when this comes out. Yeah, this might be around the same time, actually. Yeah, my birthday is March 28th, so like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes out before then. I'll but, yeah. Can do. <laughs> um, they've hired me as a headliner this year, which is oh. really special to be. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Huge. Co-headliner, I say, because it's a couple headliners, so I don't want to pretend I am like the only one. Um, but yeah, it's a really it's a three-day festival. It's at the Vancouver Playhouse. People from all over the world come to perform, and it's really a fantastic time. So buy tickets and come watch us. Yes, buy tickets, and I'll be yeah. sure this episode comes out before then. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Um, anything else you want to plug? Um, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I feel like the internet would just tell you what. Just Google is. her, guys. Yeah, like there's there's me, there's my studio, and yeah, there's the festival. That's, I feel good about that. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show it today. It's a pleasure, a true pleasure. So great. I'm so honored to like interview you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan forever. Yes, I am. Um, I'm a fan 
indoors too and I can't wait to see you more in the studio and see yes. how like much you have progressed which I just like love your videos <laughs> it's been a hot minute yes right <laughs> but thanks so much for listening guys that's Scripps I See Ya um, that's uh, pretty much my Instagram and if you want to follow me on my personal it's Sia Steph don't forget to like rate, subscribe follow all things you know five star review and Apple would be great <laughs> and uh, yeah that's pretty much it for this week we'll catch you guys in for another cool fucking episode next Sunday thanks Lola bye thank you bye by Steph Sia, a.k.a. Kim Chi. Music by Ted D.